Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have an awesome episode on diabetes and food freedom. So we are talking to Mary Ellen Phillips, who is a dietitian, and she is the person behind Milk and Honey Nutrition. So you can find her on Instagram or on her website. She is a nutrition blogger and she has a cookbook, um, one that's already out, one that's coming out. Uh, Marilyn has diabetes and with her expertise and her lived experience, she supports people who have this condition and having a good relationship with food when you still have to manage it. We know that diabetes is a risk factor to having an eating disorder, right? Because you have to be more conscious of your food. You may need to have to track, you may need to count and all of that can easily fall into a slippery slope of getting obsessive. So I love her work and the way that she approaches food in a way that just feels a little bit better, a little bit less stressful, more mindful, more caring. So I hope that you will enjoy this episode with Mary Lynn. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well today. Today we have an awesome guest. I'm here sitting with Mary Ellen and we're going to be talking about diabetes, relationship to food, and I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped to have her on. So welcome Mary Ellen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. I'm super pumped that you're here too. So before we get into our conversation, um, could you tell a little, uh, us a little bit more about you and how you got to work with people with diabetes and with like your whole origin story? Yeah, for sure. So mine goes all the way back to uh, really when I was five years old, but possibly even before that. Um, so my mom was actually diagnosed with type one diabetes while she was pregnant with me. Um, so they knew that their kids were going to be at a big high risk. And sure enough, about the time I had just turned five and she noticed I had dropped weight and, um, you know, was suddenly wetting the bed again. And like, this is not normal. Um, and so sure enough, they tested my blood sugar and it was over 300. Um, so I was officially diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was five. Uh, and then that led to, you know, pretty typical life of a kid, with diabetes in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, we have a much different way of approaching diabetes education now. Um, so I kind of grew up in that more restrictive, like, you know, a lot greater potential for eating disorder uh, mind frame, but realized when I was in college that I could make a career out of 
educating people with diabetes um, how to enjoy good food still. And that's kind of, it's a very shortened version of um, kind of how I get to take my personal experience uh, as someone living with type one, but also get to educate people as a professional, as a registered dietitian. And I kind of get to meld those two experiences. So it's, it's a great privilege that I'm really thankful for. Yeah, I love that. And when you say like growing up in the 90s, having diabetes, like how was the care done back then? Like what was maybe not so great about it? Or when you say like kind of like more disordered eating, how does that look like? Well, I feel like we, so, you know, we have the 90s in general where like diet culture was just like in your face. I mean, it is still today, but like in your face, 100 calorie packs, skinny is healthy, all of that mindset. But then you layer on diabetes on top of that, where we're told like, you have to eat this food at this time and this amount of carbs, and you have to literally count everything, um, which we need to do to some degree when you're managing, um, you know, insulin dependent diabetes, like you have to count carbohydrates to be able to take insulin. But I feel like there was this added layer on top of it, uh, that we don't really see, see today as much, thankfully. Uh, but this added layer of just insulin, having to take more insulin is bad. Um, you know, you're the, you're the different person. Like, I don't know, there was just this weird stigma to it, um, that I do think we're making progress on, uh, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. And like, I think that's really interesting, like the role of like diet culture with diabetes care too, and how, you know, when we think of people developing eating disorders, we think about like all the tracking and how that can be such a mind game and so difficult for a lot of us. So layering that with when you have type one diabetes and you do take insulin, you're like, well, I, I kind of need to know in order to do that. Like, how did you find that impacted your relationship with food? Like, did you find yourself being able to do it without issue? Did you find yourself having some issues, but being able to work through it? Well, so when I was growing up, I think I was around 11 or 12 years old when we, when rapid acting insulins were introduced to the market. So before that, it really was like, you have to eat a set amount of food at a, at the right time. Cause we didn't have the, the insulins to be able to micromanage, um, which we can do today, which allows more food freedom for people with diabetes. Back then we didn't have that. It was just, it had to be that way. So it was hard to shift from that, but I still think even as I got into my teenage years, I was taught, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna eat this amount of carbs and you're gonna figure out how to make it work. Whereas now it, it, we can really go however the parent or the child or the person with diabetes um, wants to manage it. You can pick the foods you love. We can make them work for you. And then as that final step, we can count the carbs and dose the insulin. Like that's fine. Um, so I feel like we've kind of switched, switched that game plan, which is really great. Um, but that's kind of one of my main things I try to teach people on my platforms is that you don't have to give up the foods you love. We will make them work for you. We might have to be a little smarter about it. And we might have to tweak some things about, timing or the foods that you eat with it, but you can still eat those foods you love. We're not going to take those away from you. And I think any care provider who says that really doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And that's literally why I reached out to you to be on the podcast, because I love that approach of we'll personalize it for you and make it work for you. And it doesn't need to feel restricted. Like, I think I like that added, like we may need to change things around when you need to personalize for you but we can make it happen. So it doesn't have to feel as restrictive, which is pretty freaking cool. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I'd love for us to kind of take a step back and talk a little bit about like what is type one diabetes and kind of talking about those like insulin piece of things for people who may not know what it is or just giving this like bigger overview of like, okay, what is this? And like, what is it? Right. Yeah. So type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. Uh, and so it is basically the, we don't really know why there's a whole host of different theories from like a virus to vitamin D deficiency to environmental factors that basically your immune system or my immune system decided to attack the insulin producing cells in my pancreas. So I can no longer produce insulin and insulin is needed for um, the processing and digestion of carbohydrate. Um, Without insulin, glucose, which is kind of the building blocks of carbohydrate, um, build up in the bloodstream, and that can lead to really, really elevated blood sugars, which can ultimately lead to death, if not controlled. And so um, we, it's basically this management of an outside source of insulin, whether it's an injection or a pump um, used to manage carbohydrate. And so where people get kind of this misnomer, and it stems from either poorly prepared healthcare professionals or the media, um, it's basically like, okay, well then I won't eat carbohydrate and it won't be a problem. Uh, but that's actually not how it works. So, um, there's a whole lot of other like biochemical things that happen in the body, um, that we actually do need carbohydrate. We just need to know how to go about that in a smart way. And so there definitely is this slippery slope of slipping into this really restrictive regimented, I don't know, like putting you kind of in like this diabetes cage if there's no freedom. Uh, but there is, there is a way to do that with, um, with some freedom and with some joy back in the food space. Um, but yeah, so type one is an autoimmune condition. And what we also see is people, we know that people with one autoimmune condition tend to almost always in their lifetime will have more than one. So you'll usually see type one coupled with like celiac disease or Hashimoto's or hypothyroid or something like that. So we've kind of got this complex network of health conditions that we have to manage. And anytime you have a health condition that requires like an element of food that has to be altered, you're going to put people at risk for eating disorders and a poor relationship with food and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, especially depending on the care that you get, because what you've mentioned there that people hear like, all right, so diabetes, okay, sugar can't process it like adequately or normally. Okay. No more sugar. Like we hear this all the time. Right. And the whole thing with like keto and all these are like Mm -hmm. trying not to twitch. My face is like twitching when I talk (laughs) about this, Uh, but like, we hear that all the time of like, Oh, okay. Like your body can't process it. Then here we go. Let's just completely cut it out. So it's hard when people are going through that, but then your body still craves it. Like your body still wants glucose because we love it because it's a good source of fuel. And like you said, there's so many different like mechanisms that like require it. So can we like unpack that a little bit for people? Because I mean, one thing that I hear a lot, like I've asked in my Instagram stories, like what questions you have about diabetes? Number one is, does eating sugar cause diabetes? And uh, hear this all the time. Yeah. I mean, 100% no, it doesn't matter the type of diabetes you have. You did not get type one diabetes, type two diabetes, pre-diabetes, gestational diabetes, Modi, Lada, any of them. There's a lot of different types of diabetes. None of them are caused by eating too much sugar. They are caused by a whole host of factors. Some of them can be lifestyle factors. Yes. But a lifestyle factor alone does not cause diabetes. There is genetic predispositions. There is environmental factors. There is stress. 
there's all sorts of other things that go into that diagnosis. And I think just this, I even see like healthcare providers on social media making jokes about like eating cookies and donuts and things like this causing diabetes. And I'm like, you are not helping. You're not helping the problem here Uh, because then that just makes people who have been diagnosed with diabetes, one, ashamed of their diagnosis so they don't get proper medical care and they don't seek proper treatment. Um, But two, it makes them afraid to eat. And that's just the saddest thing in the world. Food is just the biggest I think it's one of the biggest joys in our life and we're sucking that away for people. And it's just not fair. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that was like a mic drop moment. Like we could stop the podcast episode now. I like <laughs> keynote. This is what we all need to hear and understand because it's so true. And can we unpack a little bit? So why keeping sugar in our diet is important, even when we have diabetes to just really like kind of drive this point home. Like why do we still need to eat sugar if our body cannot quote unquote process it. Yeah. Well, and I think I want to be careful here. So need to eat sugar. I think taken the wrong way. People will say like, what are you talking about? You don't have to have sugar. And I think it's important to tease this apart. Um, so there's this big conversation about like added sugar and, um, naturally occurring sugar. And this idea that somehow added sugar is worse than naturally occurring sugar. And the problem is our, our body doesn't see it that way. There, I mean, sugar is sugar. Um, however, naturally occurring sugars come with all sorts of other great vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and all these things that our bodies need to do well. And so it, it's this really tricky conversation of you don't want to promote like this obsession with no added sugar, but you also want to show people that like sugar is sugar. Like your body doesn't care as long as you're eating a diet that also has, you know, all of these nutrients we need to thrive and have these capable bodies, um, you're going to be fine. And so the sugar really serves as your primary fuel source. So you think about it, like when you go from lunch to dinner, like most of us need a snack to get from those two periods of time without feeling fatigued. And there's a reason we need glucose. We need carbohydrate to kind of pick that energy up and help us get to the next meal. And then protein and fat come into play with keeping us satisfied and sustained. Um, So glucose or carbohydrate really serves as that, that kind of energy source of just kind of helping us feel energized and ready to go. And then you've got other forms of carbohydrate like fiber and starches that contribute to, you know, that like gut health is a kind of a trendy word I hesitate to use, but like keeping all the bacteria in our GI tract happy and healthy and keeping your tummy happy kind of thing. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you're, you're saying all that and like teasing things apart. Um, yeah. Because it's hard when like, there's a lot of like very polarizing messages around sugar, especially. And then if you have a condition that um, like diabetes and it's like, gets very overwhelming very fast to be like, okay, mm-hmm. like, can I, or can I not have it? So having health providers like you who are like, all right, let's like break this down because yeah, it can be super, super hard. Hey, 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 I'm just stopping this episode to tell you about the free class that we have going on. So we are doing a free class on guilt-free eating. And this is such an important thing, right? Because especially if we have different conditions, we can start feeling so much guilt and shame around food. 
but I'm here to tell you that it does not need to be this way, right? We can live without guilt around food. We can live feeling empowered around food and understanding what our body needs. So in this free class, you will learn how you can eat guilt-free without losing control around food and with still feeling confident in your body. We're gonna go through through three big mistakes that people make when they're trying to have a good relationship to food or why we get stuck in the diet cycle. And what is that step-by-step? -step? What are the steps we need to take so we can truly feel good in our body, so we can truly have that food freedom and let go of diets for good. So if you're interested in joining this class, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash sign up and you can register for the time that works best for you. I cannot wait to see you there. I'm so excited about this class and sharing this opportunity with you. So I hope that you're gonna be able to, to come. All right, my friend, let's get back to the episode. Is there any other myths that you hear often around diabetes that you're like, I want this myth to die because this is not good? Well, and I think too, I mean, there's so many that like, you have to go on like a keto diet or the flip of that. There's people out there saying you have to go plant-based, which the one thing I think too, is that people think there's just this one way to eat for diabetes. And there's not, like you said at the beginning, we are all so unique and different. And what works for me is going to be different than what works for the next person. And I think it's really important to remember that, like we live in a time where we promote individuality and kind of just being your best self, but yet we don't apply that to the food we eat and the way we quote unquote be healthy. And it's always kind of been this like juxtaposition for me is I'm like, no, we're still all unique when it comes to food needs and moving your body and things like that. So um, anyways, but then also I think it's important to remember, um, I actually just did a post on Instagram about this last night. Um, there's this stigma of like diabetes is old people, amputated limbs, uh, someone who's like of a certain body type. And it's just not true. Diabetes, it doesn't care. Diabetes, it doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't care. Like it does not care. You could be anybody. And because of the way diabetes has been portrayed in the media, we just have this stigma in our heads. And I think it's important um, to remember that all types of diabetes um, can affect all types of people. Um, and then I actually have one more that I just thought of um, is that within the diabetes community, there's very much this polarizing like type one versus type two. Um, and I think a lot of people with type one are very misguided and they look down on people with type two because they're like, well, mine, I didn't cause mine. You caused yours. And mine isn't because of lifestyle. And it's so, as someone who I grew up in that culture and I, I thought that I used to think that way. And I got to college and in my internship and I was like, hold up. Like, this is, this is not how, this is not how it is. We all have the same goal. We all have the same goal of managing blood sugars so that we can feel our best. And I think it's really, really important to remember that. And so I say that as a challenge to the type one community to kind of open our minds a little bit, but also as encouragement to the type two community of like, I'm sorry if you've experienced that. Oh, I love that you say that. Cause I've heard that a lot with clients who are like, I have diabetes, but it's type one. <laughs> like, yep. Let me justify it by telling Classic. you Classic. Yep. Type one though. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's why I actually will usually when I like introduce myself or say myself, I don't, I mean, people can make whatever assumptions they want. I can't control that, but I don't, I just say I have diabetes. 
because I want to do my part to show like a cohesive community of people who just have, we have the same goal. Again, we're just trying to manage blood sugars. Yeah. I love that so much. So I'd love for us to talk about having a healthy relationship with food when we have diabetes and when we do have to have um, maybe a little bit more management of our food or a little bit more planning and strategizing with our food. So could we talk a little bit about like how we can actually have a good relationship with food, even when we need to manage it a little bit differently? Yeah, absolutely. So I have, um, and this is not some like great scientific discovery I myself made. It's just my way of presenting the same old information we've always been taught, but rather than like teaching people, okay, we have to take this out. You can't eat this. You can't have this anymore. I I like to flip it around and we're going to focus on what you need to add to your plate every time you're eating. Uh, so if you decide what you want to eat, that's the first thing is like, think about what you want, like truly want, like what your body feels like it needs. And then do you have fat fiber and protein on that plate? Those are the three keys we need, because basically what happens is if you eat carbohydrates by its, by themselves, you're going to get a really quick rise in blood sugar, a healthy functioning pancreas will spit out insulin and it'll, it'll blunt that it'll, it'll take care of that. But when you have diabetes, we either have ineffective insulin or not enough insulin. And so these outside sources of insulin don't act quite as quickly. So eating carbohydrates by themselves will send that blood sugar up and the insulin just can't keep up. So you end up with a blood sugar spike, which, you know, leads you feeling poorly and sluggish and you just can't, you just feel bad physically. And so, um, what fat fiber and protein do is they act as I realize I always do this. I'm using my hands and I know anybody listening can't see my hands, but just imagine like a roller coaster ride and fat fiber and protein take that mega roller coaster with all those loop-de-loops and they turn it into a kitty coaster with really nice little bumps that are easy to handle. And it, they just act as this buffer to kind of squish that blood sugar spike down, which is great because that's what we want. And so like a perfect example is like, do you like toast? You can absolutely still have bread when you have diabetes. Should you go eat a piece of bread like by itself? Probably not. What would be better is if you put some eggs with it or put some avocado with it, or again, we're looking at these fat fiber and protein ingredients, things like that, um, to kind of squish that down. And so that's what I tell people is anytime you look at your plate, we're adding those three nutrients to the plate, making sure they're there. And we're going from there. And unfortunately, diabetes is really just one big science experiment. So everybody's like, well, can I have this? Do I know if this? And I said, well, try it. Like, let's see, eat it and test your blood sugar two hours later and see what happens. And it's not that you like, let's say your blood sugar is elevated two hours later. doesn't mean you can't have that food. Just means like we said at the beginning, we need to change it up a little bit. We need to tweak it. Maybe you need more protein with it. Maybe you need to eat it at a different time of day, something like that. I love that so much. Like those two questions, like, what do I actually want? And then being like, cool, how can we, I add things for it, for it to feel better for me. And I mm -hmm. feel like this applies for diabetes, but also for like everyone else right? <laughs> to be able to like, yeah. cool. Like if I want to have like a balanced plate, if I want to make sure that I'm nourishing my body with all of the foods, if I want this, what can I add? I love that approach so much. And would you, um, actually, is it true that like a food, for example, like if I eat a food, even if it has like the same amount of sugar, like you and I, we would respond differently to it. Like two people with diabetes or non-diabetes, like we respond differently to different foods. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and I'll use, so there's a lot of like 
kind of in the diabetes world, foods like rice, pasta, and pizza are like, they're the big ones that they're not off limits, but when you have diabetes, they just take a, they take a lot of planning and effort to be able to enjoy. But once you figure out how your body responds, you can, it works really quickly. Like I absolutely love pizza, but it does require some kind of planning and insulin dosing and thinking about the time of day I'm going to eat it. Now, could I just go eat it like whenever I want and deal with the consequences? Sure. But I'm going to feel like physically like crap for lack of a better word with my blood sugars all over the place. Um, and so what I try to encourage people is just because something takes more effort for me to eat than you, than you doesn't mean I can't have it. Like it's totally fine for something to take a little bit of effort. Um, and so, but again, that goes back to like what we were talking about earlier of there's just this misconception that like, there's this one right way to eat for diabetes and it's just not true. So I might be super sensitive to pasta and have to put in a little bit more effort to be able to eat that and manage blood sugars at the same time, but it might not be a big deal for you. Your body might do fine with it. So yeah. it all depends. And I love that. And I wanted to ask this question because I think like a lot of time, especially with diet culture involved with all of this, we like demonize certain foods and it's like, this food is bad for this mm -hmm. condition. And we're like, okay, no, but even within the condition, like everybody's so unique and our body reacts differently. So there's never like, when we hear like these all or nothings, especially with these health influencers, like those are red flags to be like, all right, can we like check in to actually make yeah. sure that's how my body responds. And unfortunately, there's quite a few um, big names in the diabetes world, some with some pretty impressive credentials behind their names that have like diabetes food rules and have very restrictive, like this is the way to eat to manage your blood sugars. And it does work for some people. And that's fabulous. If you are, you are physically healthy and you are managing your blood sugars and you're happy with that, like that's great. But the assumption that that is what works for everyone it's just not, it's not the right way to go about it. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. I could talk about this for such a long time because I feel like <laughs> also a lot of us love those rules, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier. easier. It makes us feel secure, especially when something has to do with ourselves or health and we may feel unsafe. If you're like, get, just give me a set of rules that I can follow. <laughs> like it can feel good for some people, um, but not everyone. And then also like knowing that you can be the expert of your own body. Like, I think that piece of like empowering you through your own care is so big and so important. I absolutely, I love that. And that's the being the expert of your own body. I think that's really important for people with diabetes to remember because unfortunately, and I've encountered it too, like specifically MDs. And I don't want to like, sound like I'm knocking doctors, but they don't have nutrition training in med school. Most of them, I, some med schools are introducing curriculum and it's fabulous, but unfortunately a lot of endocrinologists are very poorly trained on nutrition. I've heard some horror stories of things people were told. And I think it's just really important to go in with confidence, knowing that, you know, your body better than anybody else in that office. Um, so I love that line that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love for us to tell us, I know I saw on your website that you have nine food principles I'd yes. love for you to walk us through, like, what are those food principles that can kind of guide us through this? Yeah, absolutely. So this actually stemmed from a blog post I wrote, um, a while back that, um, really kind of resonated with people about like, 
just how I approach food with diabetes and still manage to kind of keep this positive mindset, if you will. Um, I'm pulling them up on my computer just so I make sure I don't forget them. Um, okay, so we'll run through these real quick. So just say no to changing who you are. Uh, this kind of goes back to that, like totally overhauling everything. Like most people, some people, like a very small percentage of people that might work, but most people know, like keep those foods you love, the foods that bring you joy and the foods that really kind of, I don't know, just give you kind of that energy in life that you love. You don't have to give those up. We don't have to completely change. And this kind of delves into this more um, important cultural topic too, of, you know, making sure that you have a dietitian or a care provider who understands your preferred way of eating and doesn't try to change that. It's very important. And then the second one is prioritize your health above your body size. I think this one's kind of self-explanatory, but again, skinny does not equal healthy and quote unquote overweight does not equal unhealthy. Um, it's really important to remember that um, health is a parameter that has so many different factors attached to it. Uh, and so, and then number three, make eating an active intentional activity. Uh, so the what I get at with this is like, there's so many passive behaviors we do with eating, just like eating while we're doing something else. Uh, and so what I tell people to do is pay attention when you eat, enjoy your food, like enjoy the process. Um, this mindless eating rather than mindful eating. I think it's important to recognize when you're doing that. Um, number four, I say, don't eat too fast. And that's simply because we can't pay attention to our body's signals that it's sending us. Uh, and especially when it comes to diabetes, like just for blood sugar management, it's better if you can slow down and actually enjoy your food um, and let that digestion process happen. Um, and number five is plan out your weeks. Um, and this doesn't come from like a, like a restrictive meal plan type kind of um, scenario, but more just, I think, when we have to make spontaneous food decisions repetitively, it makes blood sugar management difficult. Um, unfortunately, with diabetes, you do have to be prepared. You do have to plan ahead for some things. And you have to think about like, okay, tomorrow I have this and I have this and I have this. If I go, you know, this seven hour time span without eating anything, um, depending on the person, my blood sugar might skyrocket because, you know, my body's like freaking out or it might plummet because I don't have enough energy. Um, and so it's really important to plan ahead, um, when you have diabetes, um, six, identify foods that don't make you feel good. Uh, and I, this, I, I really mean physically don't feel good, but it also applies to like mental health too. Like if, if a food like leaves you feeling like sluggish and blah, then like, don't force yourself to eat it. If you don't want to, the example I give here is like the holiday times with diabetes can be really tricky to navigate. Uh, and so for me, this is, this is really a fine line that I, I don't want it to seem like I'm just promoting this diet mentality. Cause I'm really not, but what I think it's hard for people who don't have diabetes and haven't experienced just how awful it feels for your blood sugar to skyrocket physically awful. It feels, um, is that like, if it's Thanksgiving and we've got this great meal and all these desserts, like sometimes for me, I will pass on something if I know it's gonna require all this effort to manage and my blood sugar is gonna go high. 
because I want time with my family. Like I want to focus and I want to feel good and I want to enjoy that time. And so, but the only person who can make that decision is me. Um, and so it's really important to remember that. And so I want to be careful that like, I'm not saying like pass on the food you love kind of thing, but uh, does that make sense? No, it makes sense. Like, I feel like what you're saying makes total sense, but it's all about intentions. Like I think mm-hmm. we all know personally, when we do something out of like trying to be restrictive and diety, you know, like, you know, if you pass on the brownie, if it's because yeah. you truly don't want it or you're like, ha ha ha, like saving whatever, like I exactly think behind it really, really matters, which makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, I've always used this example, like if on Thanksgiving, there's, if the only option is pecan pie, like I'm, I would much rather spend time with my family than have to stress about how my blood sugar or not stress. That's not the right word, but have to put in the effort to manage my blood sugars that, but you give me a pumpkin pie that I will eat that all day long. And that is like my favorite thing. And so to me, it's just this balance of like, I really want to enjoy that. I'm going to plan ahead and I'm going to get insulin and everything set up and I'm going to enjoy the day. So anyways, um, and then the last few are uh, number seven, prioritize all meals. Um, don't skip breakfast and breakfast isn't the most important meal. They are all important. Um, we've kind of adopted this, you know, way of three meals culturally here that, uh, is just kind of how culture is set up. But if you need to do it differently, like that's fine, but just prioritize all eating times. Um, there isn't one that's more important than the other. Um, number eight, don't believe the hype. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. A, a well-balanced nutrient rich, um, diet that allows room for all foods really is the best and most effective way to manage your well-being. Um, and then number nine, you do you like you get to have your own food preferences. You get to have your own one foods you don't like. Um, you are, like you said, you are the expert in your body, uh, and nobody else is. And so, like you said, we see these people who have all these rules and it's really tempting to fall victim to that and think that's just going to make life easier. You're going to achieve X, Y, Z. Um, but in reality, they don't know you. You're the only one who knows your body and how you respond. I love all of them. Like you guys can't see me, but I was like, definitely nodding <laughs> <my head> like <laughs> the whole time because I feel like all of these principles really, really center, like puts the person at the center of their care. Like you are in the driver's seat. You get to decide. We're encouraging you like to tune in, to be empowered in your care and just know and understand what is best for you, which is super cool. I really like yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah. Those are amazing. All right. So last question before, um, before we finish our podcast, um, what would be a tips that you'd have for listeners who want this piece of like food freedom or feeling good around food, but also want to be like, have that mindfulness around their food decisions? Like how, like, what would be a tip that you'd give to them to kind of find this balance? Um, I would just say to start prioritizing, like, think about foods that you truly enjoy, like that you like eating. And I think it's important to remember while this yes, does include things that are like chips and cookies and things like that. It also includes things like vegetables and salads and a hearty whole grain bread and things like this. Like we all enjoy a wide variety of food, but then I want you to layer on top of that, which, which of these foods like help you physically feel your best. So like one cookie after dinner or whatever, um, isn't going to make you feel all that bad, but consistent 
high processed sugar intake all day, every day. Yeah. You're not going to feel physically really good after that. And so this true work of like finding this freedom really is that finding that balance between what foods help you emotionally feel good and, en and enjoy food and what foods help you physically feel good and get to do all the other enjoyable things that you do in life. Uh, and so I don't think that's an easy thing to do. I definitely don't want to say that like lightheartedly. Um, it's something that has taken me a solid 35 years to learn. <laughs> so, um, and I think, and I have a few degrees behind my name uh, that helped get me there. So I, I don't want to negate that in any way. And that's why it's really important to work with, um, especially if you have a condition like diabetes, to work with a professional, find out like, you know, if you need insurance benefits or whatever it is, um, and really take advantage of that um, to kind of get yourself to a good place because people with diabetes really are at risk for a very poor relationship with food because of the nature of the disease and what we have to do. Uh, and so actually for the longest time, I felt like I was seeing all these like intuitive eating and mindful eating um, principles show up on social media and reading about them. And for the longest time, I felt like I couldn't do that because I had diabetes and I finally realized a few, several years ago, like, no, there's, there's a way to respect what I have to do to manage my diabetes, to count those carbs and dose my insulin, but while still giving myself the freedom to enjoy foods when I want to enjoy them. And I, and I think that's the really tricky part, but that it is possible. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's like this balance between like what I want to eat, what I know nourishes my body and how I want to feel. So when we can mm -hmm. find a balance between all of that to be like, okay, well right now I want to feel good. So this may not align right now, rather than yeah. be like, this looks amazing. And I want to taste it and connect with my family as I'm doing it. Like, I think it's just this balance that we go through, but I think you're right in saying like, it's not an easy feat. Like <laughs> being able to no, find balance is not I, easiest. It is. And I, th I think a good comparison to this is it, it's like when we, you might not be hungry, but you go ahead and eat lunch because you know you're going to be leaving your house and you're not going to have an opportunity to eat again until dinner. It's the same kind of thing. Like sometimes we make decisions because of other outside factors, and sometimes we make them because of what we want to eat in the moment. And both situations are fine. Um, and we just have to balance that out. I love that so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. So can you let us know where can people find you? What are you up to nowadays? Can people work with you? Tell us a little bit more about all your projects. Yeah. So I actually don't see clients one-on-one. -on -one. My goal with my resources and platform is to be um, a resource for people managing diabetes at home. And so you can find me on my website, milkandhoneynutrition.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and Pinterest. It's Milk in Honey Nutrition. Um, and then over on TikTok, um, which is like, such an obsession. And like, you get down this dark hole of like all these videos. Um, but I'm diabetes nutritionist on TikTok. Um, I didn't and then I actually, on TikTok. I need yes, to, I need you have to, to find me stalking you there now too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get kind of scared on TikTok because people are vicious, but, um, they, um, it's a fun app to be on. Um, and then I have my cookbook, the easy diabetes cookbook. If you, that's it my goal with the cookbook was to really show these foods that are commonly perceived as things that people with diabetes can't have and show how we can have them. And a lot of times in an even more delicious way. 
Um, so there's 60 recipes in there. It's a fabulous cookbook. Then I actually have my second cookbook coming out um, in April of next year. And it's a um, kind of like a sister book to the first one. It's the Easy Diabetes Desserts Cookbook. So it's all um, desserts. So that will be out in April of 2022. That amazing. And people can buy that like on Amazon or? Yeah. So the my first book, the Easy Diabetes Cookbook is pretty much anywhere books are sold. Um, if you just Google the Easy Diabetes Cookbook. It'll come up. Um, Amazon is one of them. Uh, and then the Easy Diabetes Desserts Cookbook, you can pre-order now, I believe, Amazon and Target now, but come January, it'll you can pre-order anywhere. Books are sold. That is so awesome. I'm so excited to see that. That is really, really amazing. So all her links will be in the show notes. So you guys can go follow her, get more of her and then follow her on TikTok too, but give her some love because people yeah. love <laughs> <laughs> um, So, all right, let's do a round of fun questions before we go. The first one is, what is your favorite food? Oh gosh, pizza. <laughs> pizza. Mm, love it. Pineapples on pizza or no pineapples on pizza? Oh no, no, no. We don't do that. (laughs) I'm a good, my favorite is like a solid Mediterranean pizza with like feta and artichoke hearts and spinach and chicken and sundried tomatoes and all that. That's my favorite. Ooh, that's awesome. That sounds really good. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? My gosh. Um, this is going to sound weird, but this is the mom in me. I wish I had like an eye in the back of my head. So I could like see my kids when my back is turned They're Like, I love my kids, but they're getting to that age where they're like really learning their independence and ability to do things on their own. So that's funny. But I love that so much. What is your favorite way to self-care? Favorite way to self-care. I love baking, like 100% love baking. Um, and, but also what's ironic is given that I have a semi, like a food blog, uh, I hate following a recipe. <laughs> So um, I myself, when I can cook however I want or bake however I want, as I just throw things together and I just love seeing how it, how it comes together. (laughs) I love that. Like just experimenting in the kitchen. Yep. All right. And then last question for you, because this is the balanced dietitian podcast. What does balance mean to you? It's it's hard to answer this because I'm in a phase of life where I do not, I do not have balance. And like, I can tell, but balance to me would be, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm fumbling over my words. I don't know. But I guess a sense of calm at the end of the day, um, yeah. really for me, because there's definitely times where like, even by the time I hit the bed, it's like, oh my God, I'm still strung out on everything. But um, I think feeling a sense of calm by the time you go to bed. And then with regards to like food with balance, um, I, I like to describe it as not necessarily my blood sugars are perfectly managed because every day to day is different and you never know what's going to happen in that realm. Um, but balance with food is I feel physically well and I'm satisfied and I don't feel like I'm constantly like yearning for the next whatever piece of food that I didn't let myself have. That is awesome. I love that. And I love that too. Like for me, like balance is not this like perfect way that we manage life. It's just kind of like rolling with the punches. (laughs) I think it's a general feeling. It's not like a set of rules or anything. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. I think this was such an awesome conversation. Again, all the links will be in the bio. So everybody listening here, go follow her, go check out her stuff. She's just so wonderful. So thank you again for being here. You're so kind. Thank you for having me.
Wasn't this episode just so wonderful? It's so cool to talk to, it was so cool to talk to her about diabetes care and food freedom, but also knowing that even if you have a chronic condition and even if you do have different nutrition interventions, we can still aim for a healthy relationship with food, right? Getting diagnosed with a chronic illness does not mean that we will forever have a bad relationship to food or it's always going to be strict and stressful and just super yucky. Like we can find this balance between the foods that we love and taking care of ourselves and also managing different types of illnesses. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go leave us a review. Let us know what you enjoyed. Share with your friends. If anybody you know has diabetes or you just want to share and spread the word, it always means so much to me as we are on a mission to dismantle diet culture one day at a time. So on that note, my friends, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll catch you in the next episode.